0: RadioInfluence.com. Oh,
1: he got him in the white trunks. He heard hurt himself. Beautiful. Oh God, beautiful. He's got it, and he forced the top. Wow. And here's Lucas Emelian. And it's all over. It's oh, all over. First round knockout. He's out Rich one Franklin retain this belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into the February 12, 2023 edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is the interview edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I've got four fire interviews here on this episode of the podcast. Here, right here, from a man who's coming off a first round TKO victory at UFC Vegas sixty eight. Guy, we had it on the show a couple weeks ago. Adam Fugeta got that win there against Ken So I had a chance to talk to Adam about that victory and a ton of other topics. Up next after after that conversation. You're going to hear a chat with a rising heavyweight prospect out of the Northeast, Patrick Brady, who is now 5-0 and in his career as he claimed the vacant heavyweight title of Art of War Cage Fighting 28 with a split decision victory. I had a chance to uh, catch up with Patrick and uh, get to know him and obviously a guy that maybe we're going to see in the UFC here in the very near future. And then you're going to hear from a man who's going to be having his first fight in well over two years as he is going to be returning at Lights Out Championship 10 in a 165 pound matchup against Damian Hill. And that is Reese Brink. Had a chance to uh, catch up with Reese and talk to what has been going on for the last two years with him. And the final conversation you're going to hear on this edition of the podcast will be with Zach Reese, who is coming off a 33 second submission win at Fury FC 74 as he defeated Ultimate Fire 29 veteran Aaron Phillips. And uh, you're going to hear about the fact that he is wasting no time getting back into the the cage as he's going to be fighting next month there and Fury in San Antonio. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, if uh, you're not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that. Hit that rating, review, so you know when, so you get the show exactly when it comes out. Of course, try to put new episodes out every Sunday and every Wednesday. Of course, Sunday is right here, the interview edition of the podcast. And of course, Wednesday is the midweek edition of the podcast where myself and Daniel, Daniel Galvan Talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, last night was UFC 284. Uh, I did uh, had had every indications to go out and watch UFC 284. However, uh, about Saturday afternoon, I started kind of feeling a little sick here, a little bit of a, a sore throat, getting getting better here. Wasn't sure if I was going to have the uh, the voice to do the show here today, but uh, got home last night after a family dinner got home right as the pay-per-view was starting and man, what a, what a great fight in the main event between Islam Mahachev and Alexander Volkanovsky. It's a unanimous decision win for Islam Mahachev uh, 48-47 on two of the judges' scorecards, which is that. That's how I scored it. And the other judge uh, had it 49-46. to I had a third and fifth round for Alexander Volkanovsky. I was actually kind of surprised to see how much kind of uh, discussion point on whether or not uh, maybe Volkanovsky should have got the win. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I think it comes down to that second round of how you score that second round, but I thought third and fifth were clear. Alexander Volkanovsky rounds and uh, Volkanovsky, I should say fifth round clear Alexander Volkanovsky round, third round close round, but I did uh, edge Volkanovsky in that one. And uh, man, it's I saw I saw a tweet earlier today, and and I thought it was a it was from Sean Sheehan. Of severe MMA and, and he was he was promoting his podcast and I'm I, wanna, I, I saw it and I want to kind of pull it up here it basically was it was essentially along the lines of like who 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 uh you know who got hurt the most by the main event and and I tell you you know kind of my instant reaction to that main event is man maybe maybe Islam Makhachev is is maybe do we see maybe that there is some people that could be him or is it something that maybe tells us how good Alexander Volkanovsky is? But maybe we're going to see those two guys run it back there. Also, speaking of UFC 284, I thought I thought Jimmy Crute is... Or excuse me, not Jimmy Crute. Jack Dell Maddalena is the guy who stole the show there with his first-round submission win. Uh, Jimmy Crute Alonzo Menefield, a majority draw, which is a... Becomes a draw because of Alonzo Mennefield being deducted a point in the third round for a fence grab. Had no issue with uh, Mark Goddard taking the point there. But, man, Jimmy Cruz, that is one tough SOB. Um, I have not had a chance to go back and, and watch the prelims at this point. Definitely going to do that before Wednesday. But uh, it was an excellent night of uh, sitting on the couch as I wasn't necessarily feeling the greatest. But uh, did did enjoy that the uh, the entire main card. I thought the main card was really good. Justin Toffa, what he went out there and did with that uh, knockout over Parker Porter, and uh, yeah, Yair Rodriguez, man, he looked absolutely amazing against Josh Emmett. And uh, of course, myself and Dan, we'll get, we'll talk more about UFC 284 later on this week. But let's get right into the interviews. As so first, you're gonna hear my conversation with Adam Fugate, who he talks about his win there at UFC Vegas 68, and you hear from the heavyweight prospect Patrick. Brady, and then you're going to hear from Reese Brink and Zach Reese. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man who's coming off a first round victory, UFC Vegas 68. Congratulations, Adam, on the victory. I kind of, you know, I, I sometimes always talk about as an East Coast resident, we always are not necessarily on the best coast in terms of, uh, you know, times to watch fights, you know, on the West Coast, it must be nice, uh, you know, pay-per-view starting at seven o'clock. But this was a later start in the day. We're talking East Coast time. You don't step into the cage till 1 a.m. East Coast time, 10 o'clock local time. Th- did that have any effect on kind of how you uh, you got ready during fight week knowing that you were gonna be fighting much later in the evening?
0: Uh, no, I mean that we do have that luxury over here, you know. Um, the fights start around a decent hour usually for us, but uh, we always kind of train um, later in the evening here My like five days out of the week, most practices start at eight and end at nine. So um, there's, a uh, yeah, most of the time we're getting finished up around nine o'clock, you know? And so, yeah, I'm used to the late hours. I just had to adjust a little bit. Um, and uh, honestly, I didn't really know that's how things were gonna go up until about two weeks before. And I for some reason, I just started staying up later. I didn't even know at one point, and then uh <laughs> it kind of came through. I was like, okay, obviously, my body knew, and uh you know it was telling me the right thing. so
1: are you typically someone who doesn't stay up late at night?
0: No, I'm usually in bed about 1030. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, okay, i get I get you um you know i going back to our conversation we had leading up to this fight, you know you, you really you had talked about the p i and you said, you know, man, I, I thought it was a big 170-er. Uh, but I guess as this camp went on, did did you kind of feel that size that you were adding on?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I It was especially noticeable towards the last uh, few intense practices, tough practices of the camp. Um, I'm so used to just being dog tired and just kind of worn down, ready for that a physical break, you know, I usually um, take I don't know anywhere from 10 to 14 days to recover at the end of my camp before I actually fight. So, um, yeah, I was just I just remember thinking that that last intense practice like, holy cow, like I'm not tired. Um, I have three people kind of rotating in on me every minute, um, very small five second rotational window. And then we do that for uh, five minutes straight. And then we take an actual like 30 second rest. And I just remember um, those five second little rotational uh, seconds coming through and just being able to recover right away and still feeling strong, not feeling any kind of muscle fatigue and looking over at my three training partners and going, you you bums are tired right now. What is going on? It should be me.
1: that's awesome that's awesome you you had an instagram post where uh after a fight was over you said what a wild week week out in vegas damn those bright lights and life in the fast lane are addicting but only last so long the true fight is the three months preparations all coming together for that night couldn't have asked for a better training camp and can't thank those that helped me enough we were able to create a game plan and execute it and because of that we did it thank you um what makes it
0: wild Well, let's just say you know I, I'm I'm out here um, in Eugene, Oregon. Not a high population place. You don't get a lot of notice. You know, it's not the fast lane. It's not the the nightlife. You know, it's it's it's, it's rather local and quiet. And you know, um, then you you get in the spotlight for a little bit. You go from you know I don't know. Let's just we'll use Instagram as a comparison here. You go from your Instagram story, you know, getting a 150 views to you know, um, you know, somewhere around 250 views on the average. And all of a sudden now I got a thousand views, you know, and you're going, Holy cow. And one fight later and I go from, you know, 1600 followers to, you know, 2000 And it's just, you know, it, it's just interesting. It, it, it's, it's much more, um, I don't know. It's just much faster pace. You're getting a lot more feedback and all the eyes are definitely on you where you're so accustomed to just kind of being over here in the, your own little part of the world and living in the quiet life of a uh, Eugene Oregon, I guess.
1: So when we get back to the back and you get to the point where you get to your phone, I mean, how many notifications were on that phone?
0: Oh man. I walked into uh shoot. I had at least, um, 150 text messages. I had my Instagram was blowing up over like, um, I don't know, a good like 500 messages on that direct messages or, and then that's not even counting the likes and the notifications I'm getting from some of my other posts and who's following us. So it was go it was red hot there for a second, you know, uh, I thought the I had to put it on sleep mode. So I wasn't getting <laughs> so many alerts. <laughs>
1: I see. I don't know if you're like me. Like, I hate to look at my phone and like, see, you know, that bubble number over at text messages or an app. Like I have to get rid of it. Like I, I have to, like, I, I've got a buddy who it'll say 20,000 unread emails. I go, dude, I couldn't do that. Like I, I had, ha- I would have to get rid of the app.
0: I'm your buddy. I, I, uh, <laughs> I got, I'm pretty good at ignoring it, you know? And then I feel bad later. I'm like, I, I think the pandemic really helped me with the, the social media thing and just kind of getting over it. And it's not, you know, I'm, I don't, I have a timer set up. I don't like to spend a, a, a terrible amount of time on it. And uh, so it's definitely, you know, that helped me to look at that number and not get so much anxiety about having to reply back right away. But I, uh, you know, it catches up with me when I'm like, Oh, you know, I got to get back on there. I got to reach out and, and, and thank those that for, you know, supporting me and, you know, I, I don't want them to go un- unappreciated.
1: You know, and the other thing that was like a takeaway for me that the conversation we had, prior, Liam, this fight was like you were fully aware. Like, hey, man, I know I'm going to be the betting underdog. I, I know, I know what I'm walking into. Like, does that like you know? I think outside looking in, I think we kind of wonder like, does that allow you to to flow? more than you normally would or is it for you it's just like it's just another fight to me
0: it definitely allows you to flow you know um just what's that old saying you got to roll with the punches you know mm-hmm. you just got to let it slide off your back you know i know what uh i've trained for i know what i'm capable of and you know just because vegas and uh you know whoever else doesn't see it you know the all the podcasters that went the other way they don't see it that way and that, that's okay it's those are all opinions, but I know at the end of the day what I'm capable of, and when uh, when I get in there and I put everything together, um, I just I feel like I can I can beat anybody on that given night. So um, I definitely just let a lot of that stuff slide, and you know I uh, I can even say I even revel in it. I don't know quite what it's like to be the favorite. I'm always used to being <laughs> the underdog. You know, it's it's happened to me all my whole career. So um, I, I'm definitely thankful for all the experience I've had. You know, I've definitely, in my younger years, years, it used to bother me a little bit, you know, and get get underneath my skin, but um, I don't know. I, I just think it's it's good for me. It, it keeps that constant chip on my shoulder, even though I, I, mean, I think I kind of like that chip there. I don't want it to, to go away, you know. So, uh, you know, it just it's just more motivation for me, for sure.
1: I'm sure, I mean, we're talking We're you know, six days since this fight was over. I'm sure you've probably gone back and watch this fight countless times, looking at the pros and cons. And, you know, I, I think for most part, we obviously want, you know, you talk about, Hey man, this is, I, you know, like you mentioned that on Instagram post executing the game plan, what you want to do, but like, as you assess your performance, like, like how, how do you view the victory?
0: I, uh, you know, I'm my own biggest critic. It, it almost can be a little toxic, I guess. Um I look at it, you know, and uh, for a, from a standpoint, it, it, it went the way we wanted it to. Um, but that doesn't change. I don't I didn't like how I um, how I moved in there. I didn't feel like I was very fluid. I felt a little I felt like I looked a little stiff. Okay. I'm a little tight. Um, I don't like um, I don't like these giving these big reactions to the fans and to the, to the announcers when, you know, a punch or a kick uh, looks to have landed. You know, um, the head kick is the one I'm going at. You know, um, I I still don't know if where or how that landed. I don't feel like it landed. I never. I I could definitely tell you that that one of the left hands was a. It gave me a little flash. You know, it's one of those moments where you you kind of hit uh oh that that uh oh factor. <laughs> you know, I, I just got I, I ate one. Okay, and uh, so one of the left hands it came off of him catching that kick. That one was what you know that sent me to that moment that uh oh moment a little bit, but. Um, the kick, you know, again, I don't know where that landed or, you know, um, don't even remember feeling it. So um, I guess I just want to improve and how I move in there. Um, I want to be a little bit more fluid. I know I I, I'm look a little stiff just because I want to keep my guard and my defense tight. And uh, I definitely want to continue that. So I don't want to compromise that by, you know, getting a little bit more loose, but, uh, and just want to change how Um, It looks when I, you know, do use my defense to um, counter some of the offense because I am a a more of a like uh, block and defend kind of guy. I don't I don't do a lot of of slipping and and dipping and ducking, you know. Um, But other than that, you know, um, for everything that's worth, I think that uh, the fight, you know, there were so many different things that changed from what I thought was going to happen. Like, I, I thought we'd have to work from the outside to inside clinch range, you know. I thought that's what was going to happen, you know, because he's such a blitz-heavy fighter, I thought. And He came out. He changed up his game plan. He was way more patient than I anticipated, and it ended up, you know, cutting the distance on me because of it, because I expected a blitz, and he, mm-hmm. he really just kind of worked his way in nice and, and easy with his footwork. And so we ended up having to work from the inside out, which was, you know, completely different than what we had, you know, prepared for. So, um, I like my adjustments I, and I've always been able to adjust on the fly in fights. And so I, I'm, I'm definitely proud of myself for that.
1: Like, as you think about blending, you know, of blending the striking with, with the grappling and the ground and pound, like, do you walk away from that going, okay, I, I feel like, you know, you know, if we're talking, you know, scale of zero to 10, like I'm, I'm closer to that 10 range than I am say, The five or six range.
0: Uh, I agree with that. About I don't know seventy percent. I I still think that there is way more opportunity to blend, and that you know I just need to continue to work on that. Not be so much of a a dog on the bone per se and chasing one aspect. Um, I thought it was funny. um, Michael Bisping made a comment about. You know, this can be very demoralizing to take somebody down, and for them to get right back up. And I actually find it quite the opposite. Um, when I take somebody down, if you know, if I if I even sit them down, and they're immediately on the the move to stand back up, that means they're striking, and their ability to hit me is a lot more occupied. Um, and that gives me options to to land. And I want to I want to definitely maximize those situations with some more elbows, maybe some more knees. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, just that really kind of nitty gritty style and just, you know, um, I, I just feel like that's kind of a, that can be overwhelming and that can be very taxing on my opponent. So when you get somebody that is super explosive and super um, athletic and, and really good counter striker, um, like Akino Shita, you got you to gotta take that out of them a little bit. And so definitely want to get back to the drawing board and continue to, to blend and, and work that, that kind of a game.
1: You mentioned about, hey man, I come from a a low key area there in Eugene, Oregon. So, so how's a low key Eugene, Oregon resident celebrate in Las Vegas?
0: You know, I figured out I'm not much of a, a club goer. We uh, afterwards, <laughs> I called my management. I said, hey, where's the where where where's the fun at? And so uh, I ended up getting to go to a, a nightclub, a dance club, and. Not my scene, you know, uh, I did not that I didn't enjoy it. It, it was fun, but uh, yeah, you know, I think I'm a little bit more of a, uh, you know, dive bar with the, the friends and the family and the fans afterward kind of guy. Let me get some good greasy food and, uh, you know, we can throw back a couple of shots and, and celebrate that way.
1: Got a people watching those those places. The people watching is what is key to that. That 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 like, see, I'm I'm look. You see me dancing. Clearly, it's time for me to go home. I've had way too many at that point. But like to me, like you just stand at the bar and you just kind of,
0: just kind of watch. I did take some of that people watching in, and it was it was fun. I you know, I'm, I'm not gonna trash on the night. It's just uh you know. Um, overall it wasn't my scene, but, uh, you know, it did make for some good people watching and some good entertainment. I can't deny that.
1: So as you now look forward, I mean, you mentioned about, Hey, we're, we're going back to the drawing board. We're evaluating everything. You know, what needs to be done before the next fight? Like, do you have a timeline of, of when you want to get back in there?
0: So the the date or the the month that's being thrown around is right now is June, but I've only talked to like one or two people about that, so don't quote me on it. I don't know Man. if that's going to be it. Um, I I'm fine with June. I would I think I'd be a little bit more closer to late April, early May. But um, at this point, you know, I'm not gonna. I'll take whatever I can get. I'm 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 not gonna turn away anything and. You know, I just want to maximize on my time here and, and uh, you know, put it all out there and give everything I got. I'd like to get back in there another three times this year. And so June is, a, I feel like, a, you know, it's not late, but it's kind of that borderline where if you're not careful, you're, you're only going to, you know, be in there two more times, you know, so.
1: But is it also kind of one of those things of like having that mentality of like, guys are going to pull out of fights like it's just you know injuries happen in the sport it's just going to happen i mean it is is that also part of that mentality of okay okay i can get a fight in june but you know what man there might be an opportunity that, that just pops up and, and i just gotta make sure i'm ready for that opportunity I,
0: i'm uh, yeah 100 i'm not against against that stuff my coach will be uh would be elbowing me right now what are you doing be quiet you know but uh if something was to happen you know um i i want them to know that yeah i'm here and that uh you know i don't ever stop training uh this is this week has been much more of just kind of a decompressed week Mm -hmm. but i got up and i went and did some lifting this morning and i'm gonna do some floor work probably later this evening so um but yeah i i wanna i wanna get back in there i wanna be the the, this year's kevin holland you know maybe not Mm -hmm. eight fights this year but you know (laughs) hey i wanna i wanna i wanna i wanna get in there again
1: exactly look forward to seeing when that next matchup could take place man as always appreciate you coming on the show of course let me know they can find you on social media anything else you want to mention man
0: yeah i'm just uh i just want to thank all my um my, my team you know uh, my coaches uh jason georgiana of our war uh cob of of have muay thai as well as josh atkins of tongsai muay thai and um just you know the training partners that i had going through this eric lundgren Um, Morgan Fegan and Curtis Ramsey, Lucas Barbosa, Brent uh, Primus, you know, those guys all helped me out. And uh, shout out to the girlfriend, Sophie Lang. She was in my corner uh, dealing with weight cut Adam. And yeah, that's never very fun.
1: Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who claimed the vacant heavyweight title at Art of War cage fighting number 28. Patrick, congratulations on the victory going out there and getting the win. Uh, you know, it's, it's been uh, you know, just about a week since this fight. Uh, it looks like you're in good shape. So how are we feeling uh, after this one's over?
2: Uh, I feel good, man. I mean, it was a tough fight. It was uh, a three-round battle so uh we beat on each other pretty good uh fortunately i beat on him a little more than he beat on me uh i did i did lose a tooth though during the fight uh at some point he must have connected and broke my tooth because i was actually in the uh emergency room Sunday night with like a bad face pain and my wife was like you know i you better get to the ER and find out what's going on, cause like the whole side of my face hurt. So I went and I got a CT scan, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you don't have any fractures or anything in your jaw," because I I was scared that it was my jaw. Uh-huh. So they told me to consult a dentist. So I went to the dentist Wednesday, and she took an X ray, and come back that I had broken one of the roots of my teeth. So she's like we got to pull it. <laughs> like that's it. There's no, there was no saving the tooth because it was broken at the bottom. Okay. And she's like, I, I only see that in, when there's high impact. So that was, uh, the extent of my damage. I lost tooth.
1: Is that the first time you've, uh, suffered any dental injuries in a fight?
2: No, no. no I used to play ice hockey. <laughs> so I've, uh, I lost a couple to ice hockey. Um, a bunch of ice hockey, but they, a couple of them they were able to save uh two of them. So at this point, I have like three missing teeth in the back, um, two from ice hockey, and then now one from fighting.
1: <laughs> so at what point does the transition happen from ice hockey to martial artist?
2: Well, ice hockey was in high school. Uh, I played uh, football and ice hockey in high school and I went off to college to Widener University from 2003 to 2007 where I played middle linebacker. And um, I didn't pick up martial arts at all until 2018. So I was really late in the game as far as my age is concerned. um, Picking up martial arts and I had no experience previously being on a mat anywhere or at all it was kind of just all new to me i had a little bit of a boxing background Uh, i did do some boxing after college but nothing extensive um but like i said in 2018 you know uh, i did like a small boxing show and Mm -hmm. there was somebody at at that show who, who did mma and they were kind of talking jazz about how mma fighters were tougher than boxers so of course I wanted to find out what MMA was all about. That was uh, August, 2018 and October, 2018, I took a fight. So it was not even eight weeks into me ever having had step foot on a mat that I took my first fight. So, and that was my first and only loss. Uh, my first fight, first amateur fight was my first and only loss. So. Uh, nothing but winning since.
1: And of course, you go out there and you, and you win the title here. You you've been pro since twenty twenty one. I mean, you know, you mentioned about your age, but like, heavyweights one of the heavyweights one of those divisions that you know yeah, the man. prime of a heavyweight's career is much later than say a fifty five or a, a, a seventy. Like yeah. as you think about like how you've grown, you know, since taking that, that first amateur fight to in 2018 to where you're at now, like, is there something that you is, I mean, I, I know the, the, cliche could be, Hey, yeah, you're just, you're confident in, in what you can yeah. do in there on fight night. But like, as you think about your growth as a fighter, like what sticks out to you the most about how you've grown?
2: I mean, I'm, I'm a student of fighting. Right. So I, I, I've focused on listening to the people around me. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as my growth, it's been all around growth everywhere. It's been growth on the ground, growth standing up, growth on the cage. I mean, it's hard to say one particular thing because it's happened so fast, right? I went from knowing nothing to now being, you know, uh, thrusted to around UFC fighters to where now it's like my name is being tossed in the hat with, the possibility of you know getting signed to a big promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so to to point out any one particular thing as far as growth is hard to say because it, it's been everywhere. Um, but a, a lot of that is attributed to the people that I put myself around. Um, you know my teammates and the Dawkins brothers, uh, my good friend Andre Petrowski, mm-hmm. Joe Pfeiffer, you know guys like that that have just really taken me um, under their wing and and, and taught me and to touch on on your point as as to the age and how heavyweights kind of meet their prime later later in life is at least for my my situation is i don't have the miles on my body that some of these older guys do right like if you look at the the life of a mixed martial artist at 38 39 i mean that, they've had some wars already right like you know they might be 20 25, 30 fights deep already by the time they're my age, you know, I, I only got my five pro fights and then I got five amateur fights before that. And I feel great. And like, you know, my body isn't beat up, I, you know, I'm recovering well, you know, I'm, I'm utilizing the the ice recovery and the sauna recovery. And, and you know, to me it's a recovery is super important. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm covering all, all my bases and and making sure that when I get in, when I get in the cage, I'm, uh, I'm getting in as an an optimum fighter.
1: You know, you, you had this Instagram post where you were talking about, your wife and the sacrifices she has made, yeah, and, and and I think any any married man can sit there and under, and understands what you're saying there. You know, yeah. sacrifices usually when like you hear fighters talk about the sacrifices they have to make in their life, yeah. in, in chasing this dream. You know, and more times than I, I feel like they talk about the social aspect of yeah. life, you know, like as you yeah. think about your personal sacrifice of, and obviously you've credited your wife for being there for you, helping you through this process. Yeah. But like, what do, what do you think your, your biggest sacrifices have been?
2: I, I, it would be the time, man, because you, we have this thing like that, that keyword balance, right? Mm-hmm. The balance of uh, I'm, I'm owner operator of a renovations company. You know, I'm a father of three boys, you know, that they require attention. You know, like you you have to see to their growth and and being men and and teaching them right from wrong and stuff like that. So you have to be present as a father and as a man. Um, So the the sacrifice to me is is simply the time, right? Like I don't care for the social life. Like you're you're not going to find me at the bar, man. I don't Mm -hmm. care. Like I don't like I don't. It's to me, social life is not on my radar. It's just Mm -hmm. not. So I don't sacrifice that I don't care particularly to have too many friends you know my friends are my brothers on the mats you know so um you know the sacrifice to me is, is particularly time right yeah. it's it, it's when when you're done work right and you don't go home now you're going to the gym right mm-hmm. you did your eight hours now it's like all right now I gotta go do another four yeah. so you're doing putting in your 12hour day and then you're coming home and You know your wife's exhausted because she's been running with the baby and and you know you want to make sure you're there to put the baby down or kiss the kids goodnight check and make sure homework's all done um that's the sacrifice so I've been really lucky I I don't know if you can see behind me but you know I, I do have a really good setup at home I have full length heavy bag I have a 10 by 10 wrestling mat I have water bags combo bags echo bike everything squat rack everything so You know, if I'm in the gym, in the gym on the mats three, four nights a week, the other nights are spent here working on cardio, working on technique. And then, like I mentioned before, I have my friends like Andre and Joe Pfeiffer that, you know, they're a phone call away, man. Like, they come over and we are on my mat. Like, we're, we're, we're working. We're throwing punches. We're on the ground grappling. We're wrestling, doing wall work. Like, some of my hardest rounds are right here with, you know, Andre Petrowski. And, like, you know, my buddy John Mercurio, who is a pro boxer, he comes over all the time, holds pads for me, gives me great insight as far as the, uh, the stand-up game. He was a 6-0, and 7-0 undefeated heavyweight boxer. You know, he gives me great looks. So I have I have great guys around me.
1: You know, I, I heard the story about your nickname, which, uh, yeah. which it, it makes me so the synopsis of the story is you got hit by a brick uh, was it was it your was it your dad
2: yeah so so it was my stepfather growing up my uh my stepfather uh he was he was a landscaper and he he was a tough italian Della uh you know just one of the southwest philly tough you know yeah dago's <laughs> like he was tough man he was tough and uh he he was hard on my my brother and I, who who was his his full son, and I was his stepson. And he was really tough on us, man. He had us cutting grass from the time that we could walk, if we could push a mower, cutting grass and running a blower. And there was a specific situation where I think I was spreading some mulch, and um, he had told me to get on the wheelbarrow and start filling up the wheelbarrow with with some mulch that he had in the back of his truck. And I gave him one of these, like, nah, I got it. I know what I'm doing. And I was spreading mulch and he wanted me filling the wheelbarrow, not spreading the mulch. Yeah. So I gave him a, like the back of my hand deal. And um, I woke up on the bed of the truck with a face full of mulch. Uh, And there was a brick sitting on top. There was a hump in the middle of his truck where the transmission was. And there was a brick on top of that hump. And he uh, let me know that he had popped me one good in the back of the head with the brick. And uh, any other time that my brother, or I felt like we wanted to get lippy, he would, We, I, I'm telling you, we would be driving down the street and like, he, we would be like brothers, you know, we might be hitting each other, yelling at each other. He would just go no, and he would point to the brick. <laughs> he would point to it. And then, and then we knew like, oh, you better stop. He's pointing to the brick. And he, there were times we'd be in the house acting up. you like, you want me to go get that brick? <laughs> And I'll tell you what—that brick was a threat up until he had that truck, man. I don't know if that brick went with that truck. Maybe it's still there in a junkyard somewhere. But uh, that brick—that brick was a real, a real fear of mine as a kid growing up. It was a legitimate fear. You know, so, it
1: makes—it makes me think. Has yeah, someone in a fight hit you like you thought it was that brick? No,
2: I haven't been hit. No, I haven't been hit hard enough to the point where like I lost my legs. I mean, I've been hitting the gym, right? I've been popped in the gym. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I've i trained with killers, right? So yeah. I mean, I'm in there in the gym with guys like Kyle Dawkins, Chris Dawkins, and like I said, Andre, Joey, like these guys, they they Johnny Mercurio, these big bodies that I've been hit harder in the gym than I have in any fight. I've I've never lost my legs in a fight. I've been in trouble, right? I've been in bad positions where maybe guys have had my back where I was, I was taken down and I was forced to, you know, kind of fight out of a bad position, but I've never been hit as hard as I've hit guys. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I've always been on the given end of that side.
1: Like, is there like a moment that you realize, you know, the God given power you had in your hands?
2: I mean, not a specific moment, but you know, when when you're working with guys and and they're like, "Bro, you caught me in the second round," like <laughs> came over the top, and like we, we work certain techniques, like the fight, I let I let my right hand go during this fight, and it was like, I it landed, and I was like, "Oh, that's there," yeah. you know. So I let it go a couple times, and there were a couple fights that I had um, where the the right hand just startled my opponent. So, um, I'm not afraid to to really let him rip. Like I like two style. Like I like how Tai Vasa fights. Right? Like he will take two to give one, and I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with trading punches. Let's let's stand in the center and throw. So, you know, I I hope my style, like, especially this last fight, I wanted to show that I could stand and throw. I didn't want to take oh. this guy uh, I have two submissions on my record. And um, my last fight, I wanted to stand and knock my opponent out. But this fight, I specifically went out of my way to not engage on the cage and tried to take down. I I still think I could have taken my opponent down pretty much at any point. Like, I'm, I'm confident in my wall work, but I wanted to stand and trade and throw. I think that's probably what you know led to the to the decision because i was the more active fighter like i threw more i landed more i stayed busy and um you know i i got the win and to me it's my best win today because i i i proved that i'm i can stand and fight like i'm not just a guy who's going to take somebody down and work a submission so you know uh, hopefully uncle dana or mick you know, sees uh, sees that fight, and you know says like, "All right, let's get this guy. Let's get this guy a chance." And he's going to show up, and he's he's going to at least get eyes watching. Like like it like I said, like a tuavasa Yeah. People love the way tuavasa fights. Like he's not going to try mm-hmm. to take you down. He's like you. You notice the time you you see when Tuivasa <laughs> is going to throw. He like stops, plants, and he pulls his shorts up. I <laughs> <laughs> when he pulls his shorts up, you're like, "Oh, he's going to bang." Yeah, he like he pulls his shorts up and he's like, All right, let's bang. And um that's that's the style that I want to bring to the cage.
1: To me, like in the tattoo of Asa is a great like example of this. Is like yeah. I just feel and, and I and I've been in this situation because like 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 when it comes to like a big UFC event, I really like to go out to, to sports bars and watch it because I, I wanna yeah. see how other people react to the fights. Uh, You know, I mean, like, we can sit on Twitter and we can see how the MMA community reacts to fights, but, like, when you're in, like, that sports bar atmosphere, like, you really see how... And to me, it's like, Tatuos, it's like uh, Roy Nelson back in the day. You Uh, feel like that guy is a guy that's sitting next to you at the bar. You feel like he's just... He's an average guy, but he lands those hands on you. You're going to sleep.
2: Yeah, and that's what... I, I like that style, and I think that style puts... Ass is in the seats and like it, it keeps eyes on the TV. Now, now his build isn't necessarily so <laughs> the, the build that is the draw attention yeah. build, but his style does like when you when you see him coming out and he's all right. Let's throw. You know what I mean? Get, so I I that's what I want to emulate. I want people to go like, oh, it's a Brady fight. He's either gonna get knocked out or knock out. Right, like, you know, with Tuvasta, fight's not going a distance. (laughs) He's either going to go out there and throw, or he's going to go out there and get thrown. So, that's 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 what I want to bring to the octagon.
1: I mean, obviously, hearing everything you're saying there, we we know what the goal is. Like, how how quick do you think this goal can come together for you?
2: I don't know, man. I'm with the radium. I'm with Jason House and a radium and the team over there, and you know, it, it, they, they've got a great system and that, you know, he gets his phone calls and I'm hoping that, you know, my, my name gets thrown in a hat. Uh, we got the contender series. Um, they're going to start filling that, that roster spot. I, I would believe come April and yeah. that starts up in June and, you know, it's my contention that five and zero oh at least gets me a bid at, for a contender series. fight. um, it would be great if I got a short notice fight. I'm always in shape. I'm in shape now. I could fight right now. If they called me right now. We're like, hey, we need a heavyweight for you know the what's the card next week? And, you know, it, it, if yeah. we, we need a heavyweight for this card, can you fight? Like, I'm on to play see. I'm going. <laughs> um I'm ready right now. Like, I'm in shape. So, yeah. you know, that's ideally I want a short notice fight, but I don't know if if five and O is going to be enough. The guy, Hamdi, the Egyptian heavyweight, uh, he got called in at 5-0 on a short-notice fight. Um, Even though he only had, he was only 3-0 MMA, and then he had the two bare-knuckle game-bread fights. Um, So, like, his MMA record was really only 3-0. Although it reads as 5-0, he has the Olympic wrestling pedigree so i think that went a long way um look i'm ready i'm ready now i and i know where i stand with some of these heavyweights and and Mm -hmm. i i believe that i'm better than multiple guys on the heavyweight roster right now like i know i am. Mm -hmm. i see guys i'm like i can beat that guy no, and it's not just me being confident. Like I see the way they fight, I see their technique, and I can beat some of these guys. It's funny too because I, I text. I'm, I'm probably a little bit of a nuisance to Jason, my manager. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can beat this guy. Like, yeah, I can beat that guy. And you know, <laughs> he he's he's good. He's good. He responds, and he's 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 diligent about you know making sure he's in touch with his. his clients, and he's a good guy, so uh, I have faith that he's he's going to get it done, and if not, I'm just going to keep fighting and keep winning until my phone rings.
1: And we'll see when that phone is going to ring here, Patrick. Yeah. Man. I appreciate your time. appreciate you getting a chance to get to know know you in, in your career and your life. Uh, of course, uh, let me know they can find you on social media and anything else you want to mention, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, follow me on Instagram at heavweightBrady That's H-E-V-W-E-I-G-H-T-B-R-A-D-Y, Heavyweight Brady. And uh, thank you to my sponsor, Apollo Prion on uh, Del C Drive in South Jersey, Seoul, New Jersey. Uh, They've been great. So, you know, I always like to give them a shout out.
1: Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is going to fight for the first time since 2019. Risa, appreciate the time. Like, as you think about the last two and a half years like h- how do you how do you describe it
3: um it sucked but I've grown so much from the time off you know through injuries and stuff that I feel like I'm further ahead um, than I mean obviously you, you learn from losing but I feel like I've learned from the injuries because I've had more time to develop my game um, and grow as a martial artist than anything so
1: when, when you have those injuries, like, is it, I mean, obviously there's a physical aspect of you're not able to to do what you want to do. How much of it is also mental of just kind of that, that, that mental, like, God damn, can I not catch a break?
3: Yeah, actually, um, when I actually got hurt, I called my coaches before my last, when I got hurt, I was driving home from Detroit and I called them and I was actually crying. They're like, what's wrong? I'm just like, I'm heartbroken, you know? Um, I worked so hard to get here, and I felt like I was so prepared, so ready. And then when I got hurt, I knew I was hurt. And my coach was like, well, maybe it'll be all right. Give it a day. I'm like, I've been hurt a lot. Like, this is an injury. You know, I know this is something serious. And it ended up having to take took me out for about eight months.
1: So, How long did it actually keep you out of the gym, though?
3: About five months.
1: So what was it like get when you stepped back into the gym for the first time? Where you like, did you feel like you had to get a little rust
3: off? Oh yeah, I mean I got three kids and I'm married, so I was sitting around eating good food, drinking beer, and I, I was probably maybe I don't know 210 pounds. So, oh wow, yeah, I was heavy.
1: Yeah, I, I saw that this this is at 165, correct?
3: Yes, yeah. Um, I'm the I'm the lightweight champion for Matt and Lights Out. And I didn't want to have to fight a five round fight on my first round fight back, so I was like, "Hey, can I take a fight at 170 or maybe 165, just to knock the rust off, and then I'll defend the title on my next fight?" He said, "Yeah, it's not a problem." So,
1: it's part of that also. Like you mentioned, you were up to 210 pounds. Is part of that also, kind of that naturally working back down to the weight you want to be
3: at. No, I could, if I had to, I could cut to 55. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at right now.
1: In terms of now the opponent in Damian Hill, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts of him as an opponent for your return match?
3: I mean, he's tough. Um, he's no slouch, you know. I won't. I, you see a lot of these guys that are fighting nowadays. They want to fight somebody who's two and ten, you know, four and thirty. That's just not me. If they don't have a winning record, if they don't have more wins than losses, I can't get up and find the motivation to train. You know. Um it's got to be somebody who I think can actually beat me in order to to take the fight, because if not, I mean, what are you doing it for, you know?
1: In terms of like, you mentioned about that motivation. What what about Hill has motivated you
3: this camp? Obviously getting back in the ring is a big one, being able to fight again. I need a win to get back on the active side. And then I'd like to fight this fight and possibly turn on a fight again next month. If I don't have any injuries is my goal. So
1: is that something uh, Matt and the team at Lights Out have, have said that they feel like that's that's a potential? or?
3: No, no. They're not going to have a show for probably a couple months. But um, I've got promotions hitting me up now that they see I'm, I've got a fight booked and ask me if I want to fight in April and stuff like that. And I don't honestly want to wait till April. Now, I'm not looking past Damien. Obviously, he's going to be a good fight. But I really want to fight that fight, get through that as seamless as possible, and go right back in and get active again. So... Is
1: that, I mean, like, I mean, obviously you're not looking past the current fight, but it's also kind of thinking bigger picture of, okay, I've got this fight, you know, you know, trying to rack on the wins to obviously, you know, get to where you want to get going. Is that just kind of the mindset?
3: Yeah, I'm eight and two, you know, I'm on a five fight win streak. I really, if I get two quick wins in the first quarter, I'm hoping, you know, Jason House and Iridium can help me maybe get a shot or a call, you know, contender or short notice or, at ten and two, you know, and two two current, you know, wins and stuff like that. I I got a feeling I got a pretty close, you know.
1: In terms of your nickname, how did you get it?
3: I uh, I don't know. I think actually it was my my brother in law. I started fighting when he was probably eight or nine, and he he just gave me the nickname. He he started calling me Showtime, and I want to say he's eighteen now. So it was, you know, it was a long time ago. He gave me that nickname and it just kind of stuck.
1: The biggest thing that stuck out to me about the nickname is how it's spelled. So is there a reason that we spell it S-H-O-T-Y-M-E?
3: Yeah, because my name's Reese, R-Y-S-E. So just to kind of tie the two together a little bit.
1: Oh, that, that was when, when I, I was going back in and I was uh, finding some old footage of you. And I, and I was like, okay. Let me make sure. I, I know. and then I was like, "Oh, uh, Lydia, here are my paperwork. I haven't you know, phonetically spelled out of reach." Like, yeah. do you have a lot of people who who look at your name and they're like, "I don't
3: know how to say this." I've had people. I had uh, the the priest at our wedding who did the prayer messed up my name. The guy who did the prayer messed up my name at our wedding. So yeah, it happens all the time. Hey, you never met him before? No, I knew him. I knew him. So I mean, just people—they go to read a piece of paper and they mess it up.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm like when when it comes to a name that I'm unsure with, I just just have to phonetically write it out, just so that's that's how I know. And and usually, for sure. And and going back on YouTube videos and, and watching it, like since it has been, you know, two plus years since you competed, like, do you feel like that may be one of your biggest advantages heading into this one that, you know, look, uh, the footage Damien's looking at is several years. I think I want to say when I was, when I was looking up on YouTube, I think I was fighting fights from like five years ago.
3: Oh yeah. 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 No. And like my last fight's not on YouTube. Um, and to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, it's a big advantage of mine because the fighter I am right now would kick my ass from the last time I fought, you know, and I train with some very, very tough guys in Detroit. Um, I've got some really good coaches up here in Northern Michigan. Um, and the fighter I am right now, I, I, I'm so much more confident in every aspect of MMA as to where back then I, I, you know, I would happily fall to my back and take guard. I wouldn't fight for top position. Um, there's just a lot of aspects of the game where I've grown so much and I'm really excited to show them off.
1: Is confidence like the, the thing you point to the most uh, about how you've grown as a martial artist?
3: I've always been confident. Anybody who knows me will say that. Um, and my coaches always tell me one of my biggest attributes that they like about me is my self-belief because I'm not the most athletic. I'm not the most, you know, I'm not a physical specimen or anything of that nature. Um, but my self-belief is through the roof. You know, I, I go in there and it's just another fist fight, you know, So
1: has that self-belief always been there in, in terms of like, you know, early on when you got started in martial arts or, or did it kind of take some time?
3: Uh, I mean, my early success probably helped contribute to that, you know? Um, But I've just, I mean, always as a kid growing up, I was always a natural athlete and um, good in high school sports and stuff like that. I always had to work towards it, too, don't get me wrong, but um, I just I put my mind to something, and that's what it's going to be, you know?
1: You mentioned about, you know, the family. It, 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 has the family always been on board uh, of you being a professional fighter?
3: I, no, no. I met my wife, and I want to say I was a 2 0 pro. And we'd have been together ever since then. I actually asked her to marry me on pay-per-view. So I'm one of Matt's pay-per-views. So. Which would,
1: now, would she a little, did after the fact, did she say, hey, you know, I was a little embarrassed She did that in front of the cameras?
3: <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. Cause like my aunts in Florida got to watch my buddy in Utah got to watch. So everybody who I told a lot of people that I was going to go on. Mm -hmm. So they all watched and they got to be a part of it, which was, was cool.
1: As you mentioned about those goals for 2023 though, like, you know, you mentioned about, Hey, you know, hopefully the management can you know get you, you know, whether it's contender series, maybe, maybe UFC offer. I mean, is, is that way you look at 2023 of if 2023 is a success for you, it is getting to the UFC.
3: I'll be completely honest. I, I mean, yeah, I'd like to be there, but I've told my coaches my goal is to fight as many times as I can. Mm-hmm. I do this because I enjoy it. Um, a lot of these guys, uh, I don't know how to put this without sounding like an asshole, but like I own a beef cattle farm, my wife and I put together, and we do pretty well here, so a lot of these guys do this solely for they want to make money and they have to do this. This is like make or break it for them or what else are they going to do? I really enjoy what I do. Um, I work for myself, you know, um, it's something that I wake up every morning and I'm excited to do. So obviously, yeah, I want to make it to the UFC. My goal is to fight in the UFC, but I'm not looking at my next fight as, you know, I'm not going to take another one because I'm so close. I'm going to fight as many times as I can. I'm just going to start, making examples out of people. Uh, I want to make a statement every time I'm in there. I want to prove that this guy does not deserve to be in there with me. And that's my goal. My goal is to be, to look one step ahead of everybody that I walk in there with the next time I'm in the cage.
1: How did you, how did you and your wife start a beef uh, cattle farm?
3: Um, well, she actually graduated once COVID started. So she, she got her college degree and she started working and then, I was a, a plumber at the time. I was in the union when I started my uh, my professional career, career, and then I went to residential. And then once COVID came, I was like, "This is a perfect opportunity for me to do what I want to do," and because uh, I had to stay home anyway. So I started buying. Uh, I started with Herefords, and basically, I've you know I have a lot of people that uh, surround me. I mean, I've got a big following with my my MMA stuff and. Um, So we, you know, we sell calves and we sell cuts and burger and stuff like that. So That's it actually awesome. just kind of snowballed since then, but <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome. I mean, it helps a lot of people don't want to go to the grocery store and, you know, they're paying for food. They don't really know where it's from, you know, but
1: no, no, no trust me. I get you. I go to that grocery store and it ain't cheap.
3: It ain't yeah, cheap.
1: <laughs> it's no, it's not. No. But but well, of course, we look forward to seeing this uh, fight here. Come here, lights out, championship number ten it's at 165 pounds. I uh, appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know anything on Social media, anything else you want to mention, man?
3: Uh, yeah, my Instagram is RespringMMA. Um, other than that, no, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to put on a show and uh, just looking to get back in there. I'm really excited. Thanks for having me on
1: joining me now here on the ma report is a man who is coming off a victory in 33 seconds at fury fc 74. zach congratulations on the victory uh as you're preparing for this matchup against aaron uh was the mindset come out with a flying knee was that or or is that just stole instincts
4: uh yeah well like the mindset was kind of just be patient and be long uh i figured he'd probably want to wrestle at some point uh And then I kind of had like a little 15-second weird, awkward, like a first dance, you know, at junior high. I wasn't really sure what to do with my hands. And then uh, I tried like a spinning heel kick, and uh, he kicked me in the back of the leg. So then I felt real goofy then. So then like the little hamster in my head was like, you know what, let's send that flying knee. So I threw it and came up short, but, you know, it worked out.
1: And then of course there's a transition which ultimately leads up to the guillotine that that ends the fight was like as you've gone back and you looked at is that just just pure instincts in terms of you know jumping into the guillotine and then you know kind of with the finish is that or is or is that or is that guillotine something you thought could be there as you were getting ready for this fight?
4: Yeah, it's something I definitely thought. Like my takedown defense is really good. Uh, it's gotten like way better too in the last couple of years training at War Training Center. It's something me and my coach Adam Cup. Hopefully, uh, work on a lot, uh, but yeah, that's a great single for it. You know, stuff the double. They switch to a single leg and you know, attack the neck if the head's on the inside. So it's definitely something we drill weekly at War Training Center, and um, yeah, it worked out great.
1: I, I know in your post fight interview, you talked about kind of about the the mindset that that war has, and you, you talk about how you know they've they've elevated your takedown defense. Is it just? Is there something that you point to of like kind of was a turning point for you in terms of that aspect of the game?
4: Uh, yeah, I had, so my last amateur fight, I fought for amateur title, uh, amateur title and uh, I won, but the guy held me against the cage. I uh, didn't do anything. Didn't punch me one time. He stomped my foot one time and I, I beat him up pretty badly from just, you know, having my back against the cage, uh, broke his orbital. Like I beat him up pretty good, but I was like, man, that's something, um, I definitely don't want to happen again i don't want a guy to um you know be able to wrestle me and uh hold me down or hold me against the cage
1: and you know speaking of amateur um record going on topology yeah. amy debuts in 2012 against kevin yeah. holland and then your next amateur fight is not till 2017 at least according to topology yeah um, it's
4: missing one one fight on there but yeah i, I you know i trained the whole time Um, I just didn't fight. You know, I was training, working, going to school. And um, yeah, it's definitely uh, the blemish to have, you know, that loss on your record. You know, I'm undefeated as a pro, but I, I don't feel undefeated, you know, until I get that one back. So
1: you know, in talking about you being undefeated, you're, you're, you know, even though the nickname is the savage, you're wasting no time in these four professional fights here, Uh, seven minutes and eight seconds. And of course, four minutes of those seven minutes were just in in your second fight. So like, as you think about these four fights, like how, how do you describe
4: it? You know, I don't, um, I think it all comes down to, to the mindset of fighting. I think that's really what separates guys that, uh, are able to get more finishes and that it's kind of how I approach fights. Um, I'm looking for checkmates the whole time. It's how I train. It's how I fight. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to be at a certain level, I think to not get checkmated fighting me.
1: How, like, as you think you, are talking about your mindset there, like how has the mindset changed, you know, s- since if, if I'm talking to you in 2017 to where
4: you're at now, yeah. Uh, the mindset has really changed. I mean, when I, when I'm fighting, when I'm getting my hands are like, it's really emotionless. Um, there's, you know, a lot of guys are like, Oh, I'm nervous. And uh, you know, everyone says that says they're not nervous is, is full of crap and they're lying. And I totally disagree with that. I, I'm not nervous when I'm fighting. Uh, I feel like this is what I was meant. You know, I was put on earth to do was to fight. And, um, that's just kind of the mentality of it. it's cold. It's um, emotionless. And it's just, um, Singular in purpose.
1: Do you remember the moment in your life when you, you had that, that meant that mindset of like, I'm meant to be a professional fighter? Uh,
4: you know, actually really the biggest turning point, which I, I would just absolutely changed my life. Um, my brother was killed about a year ago in a, a hit and run in Houston. And then my daughter, which was me and my wife's first baby, was born about a week and a half later. And those two things were so—they really did change me. Um, it gave me actually a lot of clarity and uh, a lot of drive and a lot of focus that uh, I was really, really didn't know that I needed, um, you know, until then. So,
1: yeah, you know, talking about focus, and I think <clears> we can all we all deal with that on on a day in day out basis and you mentioning about and and thoughts to to your family. As you think about, you know, your focus just on the daily, how do you maintain that of like, cause we all like, we all have that point in the day where we want to just goof off and not worry about work. But how how do you keep that focus?
4: Um, Honestly, it's easy with, with fighting. I, I love fighting. I love martial arts. I have never dreaded training, even when I'm sore, even when I'm tired. And um, it's not – I guess it's something that it's always bugged me when guys are like, oh, you know, I'm I'm not feeling like training today. I'm not feeling – I'm like, well, shit, go do something else, man. But um, I love fighting and staying focused with fighting now. I mean, it's it's got all my attention and, uh, yeah, it's –
1: What do you love the most about the fight game?
4: uh the intensity for sure. Um I don't think anything else in life really um kind of comes close to that intensity for me.
1: Like can you describe is there a way to describe the adrenaline rush of like, you know, this past weekend of of getting that submission and and you know, all the hard work you've been doing to prepare for this matchup is, is there a way you can describe that to someone who isn't a fighter?
4: Um you know, it's just um uh, I guess, because uh, I guess it's so high stakes, right? It can go very good or very bad for you. It's not like, you know, I played baseball my whole life. So like you lose a baseball game. Oh, well, you know, we're going to Dairy Queen afterwards. It'll be all right. But, uh, you know, in MMA, I think that's what makes it so, you know, it's, it's high stakes. But at the same time, it's just a fist fight. So uh, I think a lot of fighters, we kind of look at it that way. We don't make it anything more or anything less. It's just, a, you know, just a fist fight. And- What's
1: the best attribute you brought from baseball to martial arts?
4: Um, I say I can I can throw overhand pretty hard. I haven't really thrown them in my fights, but yeah, like chucking a baseball. Um, it's pretty similar motion. Like learning how to transfer, you know, weight and develop power, and yeah.
1: Is there a reason why you maybe haven't uh, unleashed that in, in a fight yet?
4: I don't know, I try to throw straight punches, but um, <laughs> like my second fight it turned into like a it was one of those like Whataburger parking lot fights, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you'll see it in this next one. This next one's gonna be great. I'm fighting a a stand up guy. I just had an opponent change the last minute. Um found out about it this morning and uh yeah, y'all see some 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 beautiful uh, overhands, I'm sure.
1: So when is that fight?
4: Uh, It's going to be March 24th in San Antonio at the Boeing Tech Center for uh, Fury FC.
1: So quick turnaround, uh, you know.
4: Very, very, yeah, quick turnaround. And it's on my birthday, so very excited about, very excited about it. So I'm going to keep fighting as much as I can this year, um, hopefully every two months until we get to the UFC.
1: Yeah, I mean, is it, like some guys will talk about, like, they don't, they, they say they don't have a training camp. They're just always training. And yeah, so that yeah. they're, they're have the ability to take a fight, whether it's seven days notice or six week notice, is that your mentality of how you look at training?
4: That yes, that that's how it's got to be. Um, and I think a big part of me, uh, that too, is just keeping my weight where it needs to be, you know, weight cut, this last weight cut was not an issue at all. Um, but yeah, just staying light. So you can take those short notice opportunities when they, when they come up.
1: Is that the hardest part of the fight game for you is just the weight management?
4: No, I I I literally don't mind at all. I, I like the I like the weight cut even, honestly. I uh, like it. Uh it feels very um there's something ceremonial about it. You know, you, you get your head in this zone and it's uh, a lot of discomfort, but you know, that discomfort, you know, for me I associate that with growth and you know, something great's about to happen. So I like the sacrifice. I like the hunger. I like the I like all of it.
1: As you think about your growth as a martial artist, what 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 have you noticed the the biggest change in you over the last 6 months?
4: Over the last 6 months. I would just say I feel like I'm really coming into my own in these fights. These last two fights, it just felt like mentally, you know, cuz as as any athlete, you always want to be able to perform to your ability that you know, you're capable of right in the gym. And, uh, fighters know this, like there's guys in the gym that are awesome, that are, you know, really great. And they go out there and they just don't perform. And, uh, these last two fights, I feel like I was just totally in my zone, uh, totally comfortable. And, uh, I was able to show, you know, how, how skilled I am and how how good I am.
1: Who gave you the nickname, the savage?
4: So that's, uh, I don't know. We, my wife okay my wife stick and poked a, yeah, see it. stick and poked a, a savage uh, tattoo with a with a uh, a needle like I mean, 8 9 years ago so we've just been rocking with it it's a uh, yeah it's my my that, worst tattoo but my favorite tattoo for sure
1: that is definitely a i've never heard that one in terms of how you got the nickname
4: <laughs> yeah yeah. Drunken night of a uh, Shiner Bach and, uh, yeah, bad decisions, but good times.
1: What is your favorite tattoo?
4: Um, you know, I got this wolf in Thailand I, I really like. Um, I definitely want to go back and uh, get some training in there uh, later in this year, for sure. So,
1: What was your first time going to Thailand?
4: Uh, I've only been once in 2017, but we went for like almost two months. So okay. it was a it was fun, fun trip
1: you mentioned about you've got the fight here, you know, March 24th and, you know, looking to, you know, every two months. I mean, as you think about that, I mean, if you continue to rack up wins, obviously the big promotions are going to come calling. Um, is that pretty much just the main goal of 2023 is to, is to get to
4: big show? Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, I am that is my one goal and that is all I'm focused on and everything I do on the daily is just to get me one step closer to that and uh, I know I'm good enough to be there um, and uh i'm I'm gonna every person they put in front of me is gonna get run through until I get there so
1: in terms of kind of uh, knowing, get to know a little bit your personality. Say, say you walk in into war today, and they say you got control of the music. What's going on with the speakers?
4: Oh man, you know it's actually really funny that you bring that up because the other day, um, you know, because it, it's Houston, so we a lot of like Houston rap is what usually gets played. But I got on the Oxcord, I put Nickelback on because most of the guys had never even heard of Nickelback. <laughs> so yeah, we, yeah, we had a Nickelback thing, and uh, I trained with Alex Morano. He said uh, he was on bottom at one point. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, I think photograph playing or something and it actually pissed him off enough to like get up It motivated him to get up off his, off his back. So yeah, that, uh, I've been playing like suicide boys a lot lately, yellow wolf. I'll throw some country in there to try to, you know, mix it up a bit, but, um, yeah, just keeping it fun.
1: Favorite app on your phone.
4: Favorite app on my phone. I mean, I'm, pro- I'm definitely probably on on YouTube the most, uh, okay. just watching fights and yeah. Is, is YouTube there, Premium though. <laughs> oh, favorite favorite dessert?
1: No, 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 I was gonna say is like when you're watching fights, like is is there yeah. a favorite type of fighter that you find yourself, um, you know, watching and maybe trying to learn from?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I watch a lot of Darren Till. I like Darren Till. I'd love to fight him one day. Um, Fedor is. You know, he just retired and Fedor is my one of my favorite fighters of all time uh, for kickboxers I like Nicky Holtskin. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, so many great guys in the UFC right now. And yeah, t- tons of uh, tons of uh, stuff to to watch.
1: Speaking of Fedor, because obviously you're, you're younger than I am. like, Do you remember the first time you, you watched a Fedor fight or, or heard about him?
4: yeah absolutely uh i mean obviously like youtube clips was the first thing but i remember when he knocked out brett rogers i don't know if you remember that oh yeah yeah yeah. like that was you know that's throwing it back to the strike force days and like that was you know i loved it in high school and junior high watching all that stuff you know mayhem miller getting jumped and stuff (laughs) like that the yeah
1: yeah i i I say this like it's you always kind of think with Fedor. you want to remember like the pride fights, you know, the, the, the yeah. true prime of his career, I said, but like, yes, there's still something about like that. Oh my God moment in, in sports. And, and to me, it's still when he got submitted by Verdun, it's still, it, cause it was kind of like one of those yeah. things of like, hold on.
4: Yeah. That just it was like watching, it was like watching your dad get beat up. You know yeah. what I mean? You're like, you're like, no, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah he was you know a true legend man i mean he's my my favorite heavyweight of all time um it sucks that he never you know crossed over to the ufc that we didn't get to see the randy couture fight and the fate you know the the even the brock lesnar fight you know stuff like that but um yeah for sure a legend
1: it's it's one of those what ifs in mma like we were literally having this conversation a couple days ago like what if he would have came to the UFC and the Brock fight would happen? And At that point, that was where that was prior to Brock having the health issues. Yeah. And, and it's like yes. you think about like obviously he would have a massive uh advantage on the feet, but like yeah. would he stop the takedown?
4: Yeah, who knows? And I think Mirko Krokop, another one of my favorite fighters ever, actually named one of my cats Krokop. Um, you know, he kind of struggled when he got to the UFC. So I don't think that helps the, you know, the fate or what if argument, yeah. right? But uh, yeah, man, le- absolute legends, and yeah, I just I don't
1: know. It's one of those things of like, because like you know, obviously the 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 reason to call him the goat is longevity, and it's like, yeah. man, can can someone go ten years undefeated like that? That's
4: yeah, as an you know, undersized heavyweight too, right? Like yeah. a two hundred and thirty pound. Because like, like, yeah, I, yeah.
1: I, I I come from the, from the football world, and we we talk about football being a game of inches. Like that's the fight game.
4: Yeah. When it, like
1: yeah. I, I forget. I was listening to an interview, and and the fighter was kind of like joking about himself. He's like, "Man, I always just seem to come up, you know, one inch too short on that kill shot." But like that's that's the reality of this game of like inch, an inch left, inch right. You may not hit that hit that quote unquote kill spot.
4: Yeah, you zig when you should have zagged, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what makes it so uh, so intense and so uh, yeah,
1: like. Like, do you go back and look at that flying knee from Sunday and go, hmm, just yeah. a little more oh, this yeah, way? For
4: sure, for sure. At least I threw a flying knee because I throw them all the time in practice, and it's actually really, really shitty. I I flying need my coach in the shakeout before the fights.
3: <laughs> so he's
4: like, <laughs> he's like, damn, dude. But um, did he, did he don't have the yeah. pads on? No, no, no. He was holding tie pads for me, and I okay. I flying need him with no no knee pad on. So, but. Yeah, he's he's a tough old dog.
1: Well, I, I kinda I am a feeling that sometime in the training room he's gonna get you back on that one.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's for awesome.
1: Sure. Well, we look forward to seeing the fight here come up here March twenty fourth at Fury FC. Of course, everyone knows you can watch Fury FC on UFC Fight Pass. Of course, uh let me know they can find you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man?
4: Uh yeah, just uh definitely check out those fights. That San Antonio card is freaking stacked. Um lots of other good war fighters on there and Yeah, you know, um, with Fury, I think everyone knows that they're close to the UFC. And instead of playing it safe and trying to get these little, you know, edge out or boring fights, guys really bring it. Guys and girls really bring it. So, um, yeah, tune in, guys. Um, I'm looking to uh, be in the UFC by the end of the year and dead set on that. So...
1: And there you have my conversations with Adam Fuget, Patrick Brady, Reese Brink, and Zach Reese. Appreciate all those men coming on this edition of the MMA Report podcast. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, take some kind of takeaways from that. Uh, You know, Adam, uh, you know, probably one of the biggest takeaways talking about, you know, uh, you know, the, the small town of Eugene, you know, quote unquote, you know, small town living of Eugene, Oregon and celebrating that win there. In Las Vegas, Patrick Brady, a really interesting conversation there. And, you know, he is obviously a little bit of an older uh, fighter, but at heavyweight, he pretty much is in the Primary career. you got to imagine that's going to be a guy we see in the UFC, I would imagine, in the very near future. Uh, You know, Reese Brink coming back from over a two-year layoff. Interesting to see how he looks like. Uh, Had four canceled fights since his last matchup due to those injuries. And then, of course, Zachary is coming off that 33-second submission win against Aaron Phillips, and he's getting right back in the cage there on March the 24th. So appreciate all those, been coming on this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, uh, if there's anybody you ever want to hear on the podcast, just uh, hit me up on social media at Jason underscore Floyd. I'll do the best I can to get those fighters or people in the MMA community here on the show. So that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast, which comes out two times a week on your favorite podcasting platform and RadioInfluence.com.